Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to my weekly From My Mama's Kitchen talk radio show. My guest for this morning is Joseph Emmett. He is a Dharma teacher, the founder of Mindfulness Meditation Center in Montreal, and the author of Finding the Blue Sky, a mindful approach to choosing happiness here and now. Joseph and I will be discussing his spiritual journey and the blue sky of happiness found just beyond the gray clouds of sadness, everyday concerns, stress, and anxiety. Good morning, Joseph. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing this morning? Good morning. Good morning. I'm doing very well, and uh, the blue sky is unfortunately hidden where I am in Montreal. It's a gray day. <laughs> I understand that it's beautiful in Dallas, Texas. I can't ask for anything better. It's beautiful out there. Sun's completely out. It's bright, and the temperature is around 65 degrees. Lucky you. <laughs> it is a pleasure to have you on the air with me, sir. Finding the Blue Skies offers so much wisdom. The delivery of the message and the construction of the book is beautifully done, so congratulations. Thank you very much. I, uh, You know, I'm a fan of those crazy Zen stories. Some people call it crazy wisdom. So <laughs> I incorporated one such story into each chapter. Each chapter uh-huh. has uh, one story which uh, is sure to leave you with, a, if not a laugh, at least a wry smile. <laughs> <laughs> Let us start by getting to know you a little better. Please give us a quick walkthrough of your life from childhood to the present moment. Well, um, I uh, mentioned in the book that uh, I was not born into a happy family. My parents were not, uh, by temperament or upbringing, whatever, they were not happy people. And uh, I found happiness uh, by noticing it in other people. Uh, I mentioned that uh, primarily one of my high school buddies, his parents, his home was a happy place, and I spent a lot of time there. (laughs) And ever since, happiness has been sort of like a fascinating thing, not quite well understood, sort of like a mystery, but a very attractive mystery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I met my uh, Zen teacher, Thich Nhat Hanh, mm-hmm. and uh, his teachings of mindfulness made it clear in my mind. Well, not instantly clear, but sort of opened the door through which I was able to uh, figure out the relationship mm-hmm. between mindfulness and happiness and go toward more happiness in my life. At what point in your life did you discover you like music? Oh, music has been, uh, uh, you know, there was music in our home. I, one of my earliest memories is my mother playing the piano, and I, a little boy, a little toddler, working the pedals under the piano, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> sort of helping her play. Uh, yeah, I took piano lessons as a kid. Everybody did around where I lived at those in those times. 
and uh, then I continued with music and uh, yeah it's it's uh, the light of my life a uh, big part of my life today I I sing and play the guitar every day uh, mm-hmm. uh, at the moment as well I see at what point in your life was there a life's epiphany that led you to living a conscious life I think that uh, uh, like many things uh, this does not happen at like a snap of a finger mm-hmm. uh, I, I think has once said that uh, big enlightenment is made up of many small enlightenments mm-hmm. I, I think this is very true in my life I, I think many many small epiphanies many small resolutions that were later dropped and then picked up uh, with more enthusiasm until uh, finally I think at this point uh, I think I'm uh, more or less committed to it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. thoroughly committed to it and uh, yeah it is a part of my life finally I would say very interesting. I mean, I know life is a journey. Each of us are born with certain gifts that we may realize at a very young age and perhaps not till later in our life. Obviously, your pursuit of music started at a very young age, and you have a doctorate degree in music from Boston University. So the process started very young, and you were able to relate to music to a point of a certain serenity and how does that brought you to the situation that you chose Buddhism as the philosophy of life? Well, you know, I, I tried a number of Buddhist retreats. Uh, uh, and uh, finally, when I went to Plum Village where Thich Nhat Hanh lives and his mm-hmm. retreat center, I found that music was a very big part of life there. You wake up to singing, Mm -hmm. then there is 20 minutes of singing before the morning talk, Mm -hmm. then there is singing before the work period, Mm -hmm. there is singing (laughs) before walking meditation. (laughs) Uh, So I found myself right at home, and uh, I was able to combine my two interests into one. Um, You know, a song addresses both parts of your brain, the emotional part and the verbal part. And uh, so it is more complete than just talking about something, you know. Uh, and uh, I, I, it's, you know, music is a part of so many religious traditions. I mean, the church down the corner, you know, they're singing mm-hmm. hymns all, all the time. Uh, yes, and... Uh, and uh, I, I never stopped. I, I, yeah, I, I, I was very lucky to to meet this tradition, where music is a is a large part. Mm-hmm. How was the experience like spending time with the Zen master Teknaha? Well, uh, <laughs> many things about Teknaha. Uh, one of the things is that he smiles all the time. He smiles. He has a very beautiful smile. He has said, sometimes I smile because I'm happy, and sometimes I'm happy because I smile. Mm -hmm. And uh, smiling is a part of his practice. And uh, every time I see him, like I 
have gone to see him like it's six months, a year long intervals. And every time mm-hmm. I see him, I'm his smile sort of hits me anew. I I've I've forgotten mm-hmm. how he smiled, <laughs> and and when I see it, like over and over again, I'm still amazed by by the quality of his uh, his smile. It pervades his whole being. Smile is a very powerful gesture that one could do because it truly sort of creates that easiness within ourselves and the energy that it radiates is truly a welcoming one. I had the opportunity of reading Technaha's book, one of his books, Living Buddha, Living Christ. And it was mm-hmm. given to me by one of my moms and it was a beautiful book. I really, really enjoyed that. Yes, yes. You know, I travel with public transport a lot, and I often look at the people who are coming in through the door. You know, some people come in and they light up the whole bus, and some people come in like a dark cloud. Yeah, it's it 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 is not only good for your own, for the person who is actually smiling. But it's good for the morale of the people around that person as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Tell us what is the meaning of Dharma? Well, a Dharma has at least two big meanings in Hindu thinking. The meaning before Buddha's time was your duty. Like if you were a soldier, your dharma was to fight. You know, if you were a businessman, uh, your dharma was to, uh, you know, be a good businessman and so on. It duty. Uh, Buddha changed the meaning a little bit uh, to mean there came two different but similar mm-hmm. things. One is the way nature actually works, the way things actually work. And two, Buddha's teachings, his own teachings. Mm -hmm. And there is a relation between them because Buddha doesn't teach a way of life that is separate or contrary to the way things work normally, naturally in in nature. Mm -hmm. So uh, those two meanings are related in some way, and uh, that relation itself is a source of enlightenment for me. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. So that brings me to the next question. How has your personal enlightenment contributed to your life? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm, uh, I'm definitely a calmer person now. Calming the mind is an important part of meditation. And uh, the mind, in the Buddhist sense, you might find this surprising, but they don't make it. There's no separate words for mind and heart, emotions and thinking. Calming the mind means both calming the overthinking mind, the monkey mind, as some people call it, and also the emotional mind, like some people are uh, like full of anxiety or apprehensions and so on. So calming the mind refers to both aspects. And uh, certainly I have benefited a lot from that. And uh, 
I have a course for cancer patients at one of the major hospitals here, mm-hmm. and I uh, come across that distinction all the time. Some people complain about uh, that they can't, like the overthinking mind is a burden, and some people uh, talk about an overarching feeling of anxiety that that feels like the big burden in their lives so that that i would say is 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 one one big one big change in my own life mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. very interesting i'm sure you would at the very least agree with this statement in the sense that our lives and our decisions are governed by two but separate equal forces that is love or fear so depending on which lens that we look through, that would certainly instigate the emotional feelings that we have within us. Yes. You know, some people define mindfulness as paying attention intentionally. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, we are complex feelings. Uh, Fear, love, uh, kind of anger, uh, apprehension, uh, these these things all coexist. I mean, just the recent election. I mean, many people felt all of those feelings simultaneously. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the the idea of the mindfulness definition meaning paying attention intentionally is paying attention to the positive feelings intentionally, rather than the negative feelings that are assailing us from the media from. Uh, uh, all over the place from uh, uh, our own uh, family, our culture, whatever. So, yeah, uh, the idea of mindfulness, paying attention intentionally to what is good in our life, what is brings us contentment, what brings us joy, instead of the negatives, you know, what, mm-hmm. what makes us angry, whatever. And, and that really has a big, big bearing on our level of happiness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What inspired you to write Finding the Blue Sky? Well, I wanted to share uh, some of my personal discoveries. Uh, you know, in, in this Buddhist ideal of a person is a person who shares his his insights, his awakening, his level of... I'm not a Buddha, but I have a certain level of awakening, and I and sharing that is, is part of uh, the Buddhist ideal, sharing what you have, whether it's, <laughs> whether it's money or, or wisdom, whatever. And uh, uh, the, uh, the book, uh, I mentioned that each chapter has uh, one... It begins with a wisdom story, crazy wisdom story. Then the second part is reflections. Uh, and the third part is a practice section, a how section. How do you go there? And um, there's a whole bunch of exercises, mindfulness songs, guided meditations on my website that, uh, that uh, sort of, uh, are designed for the purpose of uh, making you practice mindfulness. And the website is mindfulnessmeditationcenter.org. Center is spelled the Canadian way with 
T-R-E, at the end, and click on books. And the first two books there, uh, uh, there's about 12 songs, mindfulness practice songs, and a bunch of uh, a bunch of uh, mindfulness guided meditations uh, on for for each book. How can mm-hmm. we change our ingrained patterns of thinking in order to become happier? Well, um, practice is uh, is of the es- essence. It doesn't happen like like that. Um, you know, Buddha went on a retreat. Uh, it took him six years, and uh, so some people. You know, they might be taking psychotropic drugs for 10 years and they come to meditation and they expect it to work overnight. Uh, So beware of the tendency. Practice. I recommend um, taking a meditation break during the day. And I recommend doing it with one of those songs on the website. You You can download them freely to your portable device. You can listen to a song in the bus, in the train, at the coffee shop, or in the winter, take, go and sit in your car, or take a walk. It takes three minutes, but you'll be surprised. It changes your mental state thoroughly in those three minutes. Uh, you know, even if you're the world's best meditator and you meditate for two hours in the, in the, every morning, by three three o'clock in the afternoon, as you're dealing with traffic, all the problems at work, this, that, and the other, you know, all that is dim memory. All that meditation, as you take a meditation break, only for three minutes, it brings you back to that space, and it's it's very valuable. So this is one of the ways I recommend uh, practicing. How does one define happiness? Uh, well, Barbara Fredrickson, a psychology professor, uh, prefers to use the word positivity. That's the title of her book on happiness. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, uh, perhaps this is what you had in mind when when you asked me that loaded question. Mm-hmm. Uh, she makes the point that so many people refer mean different things by happiness. Right. And uh, so she says she just prefers to use positivity instead of happiness. She means that is the essence of happiness. And at least when we mention positivity, we know exactly what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. So I I subscribe to that notion. Happiness uh, has to do with positivity being filling your heart with positive emotions like gratitude, contentment, joy, uh, admiration, compassion, love, kindness, uh, friendliness. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, that 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 is a good good way of uh, describing happiness. I think. Wonderful. What role does mindfulness play? in happiness? Well, you know, if you're going to a country where there is malaria, you take an antitoxin before you go. At least that's recommended. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
in our country, in our Western world, uh, there is no malaria, thank goodness. But there is anxiety. I mean, just click on the radio preset dials in your car or in on the TV, and you know you 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 hear lots of anxiety-provoking statements like. What will this next presidency be like? Uh, the refugee crisis, uh, the uh, stock market, whatever. So we need antitoxins, not mm-hmm. for malaria, but for anxiety. Otherwise, we will be infected by it. Like a, mm-hmm. It's like a contagious disease. Mm-hmm. And mindfulness is that antitoxin for anxiety. Very interesting. I'm going to play one of the songs you have on your website that you offered for free, The Sun is Shining. And afterwards, I would like you to tell us the essence of this song. Mm -hmm. Be glad to. The sun is shining in my heart As it shines above the clouds It keeps me warm, it gives me light Through the day and in the night Shine, 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 my sun Shine through the clouds, shine through the fog Warm, warm, warm every heart It's a wonderful song, and it really gets to the heart of the matter. So please tell us the essence of the song. Well, first of all, I hope you notice that it does change your state of mind somewhat. And uh, 
all music does that. So uh, watch what you listen to. Watch what you put on your portable device because you could be nourishing your soul as well as poisoning yourself with with music. And goodness knows there's as much junk music out there as there is <laughs> junk food. Mm-hmm. Well, th- this is this is the positive. Uh, the sun uh, is a metaphor for the positive energies in my heart, in your heart, and uh, yes, it lightens up my day. Shine through the fog. Shine through the clouds. The fog and the clouds are the challenges we all face. Mm-hmm. Uh, relationship issues. Uh, uh, we all have them. Uh, parenting issues. It's not a piece of cake. Work issues. Uh, uh, you know, Buddha mentioned the three big challenges in every life. He mentioned old age, sickness, and death. Mm-hmm. Well, those are still there for all of us, but, you know, he was a monk. Uh, if he hadn't been a monk, I think <laughs> he would have added relationship, parenting, mm-hmm. and work, work workplace difficulties as well. He didn't mm-hmm. have a relationship. He didn't have children. He didn't commute, and he didn't work, and he was a healthy young man. Mm-hmm. So uh, those are the fog and the clouds in every life. The idea is Touch the sun inside, uh, not the clouds so much, and concentrate on the focus on the sun and let that shine through through the challenges. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you were talking about be aware of your story. What are you trying to tell us about yourself? What are you trying to tell yourself about you? So can you explain that a little bit more because you wrote about that in your book as well? Uh-huh. Well, the big story that I point out in the book uh, that many people have is the victim story, poor me mm-hmm. story. Right. And uh, uh, it's uh, it sort of creates who you are as you see yourself that way. Uh, it, it it creates your personality. Uh, uh, your personality is your story. And um, you can change that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can change the story you tell yourself. Instead of "poor me," you can say, "Hey, I can, I can change that. Mm-hmm. I, I have the power to change how I think. I can change my the way I look at my relationships. I can change the way I, I work. Uh, I can change my attitude." I'm in charge of my attitude. I'm in charge of my life. So now what happened to the poor me <laughs> story? <laughs> and and it, it's, it's, it's in our power to, to change our story. Yeah, that, that's one of, the, one of the chapters in the book. Mm-hmm. So do you feel that people can prevent themselves from their own happiness? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, for sure. Uh, I'm sure you have met complainers in your life. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, people who uh, uh, you say hello and they 
bear their soul, their health challenges, whatever is going wrong in their life. The thing is that they're not only telling you that, they're mm -hmm. telling themselves that. Mm -hmm. That's the essence of their self-talk, their rumination, their brooding. They're brooding on whatever is wrong, whatever is not going right, all the... Uh, all the, you know, slings and arrows of outrageous mm -hmm. fortune, mm -hmm. instead of all the beauty in life, all the, there's beauty in every moment, beauty in every person, every child, every baby, every bird, every flower, and that is also available. I mention being meditation, being mm -hmm. spelled B-E-E-I-N-G, mm -hmm. meaning mm -hmm. Uh, how a bee makes a bee line to the flower. And mm -hmm. There might be a, a you know, uh, a field where there is I don't know, uh, dog poop and all kinds of stuff around. Mm -hmm. The bee doesn't seem to see any of that. It goes right to the flower and right to the nectar. Mm -hmm. And that is, that's an ability we can all cultivate, and it, it brings happiness. It's true. Being in terms the way you put it, that's correct, is our natural quality. It's our way of, of meditating and enhancing our quality. And of course, doing is totally different. But at the same time, my question would be, there are realities of life. We encounter challenges every day. How do we deflect that in the sense that if we cannot express it to our loved ones, for lack of better term, venting. We all need some sort of ventilation to vent our frustration in some ways. What are your thoughts about that, sir? I'm not sure that I agree with you. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was a young man studying psychology, mm -hmm. this uh, topic uh, came up. Uh, you know, pillow bashing, uh, <laughs> pretend. <laughs> I'm sure you know what I mean. It's yeah, a way yeah, of yeah. venting, right? Uh, but it only succeeds in making you more angry because mm, okay. you're touching anger. You are cultivating anger. Instead, cultivate positive emotions, cultivate love, cultivate compassion, cultivate mm -hmm. joy. Mm -hmm. So uh, venting is a way of ruminating, mm -hmm. is a way of brooding. You cannot meditate with negative emotions. Mm -hmm. You can brood, you can ruminate with them. But in order to meditate, you need a level of positivity. You need contentment, joy, happiness in your life and you can bring yourself to that state mm -hmm. uh, there are several ways one is listen to a, a song one of my songs mm -hmm. another Joseph Campbell mentioned find your bliss mm -hmm. we can interpret that in a certain way bring to mind an occasion where you felt spontaneously joyful and happy. Maybe you won the lottery, maybe the day mm -hmm. of your wedding, maybe mm -hmm. the day of your birth of your son or daughter, whatever. Mm -hmm. Bring to mind a joyous occasion. The occasion brings along the emotion. 
then hang on to that emotion and bask in the glow of that emotion. Mm -hmm. That's one way of making the mind positive. Do it many times a day. Do it every time the negative emotion comes. Mm -hmm. Go toward the positive. And pretty soon it will become a habit. The goal is to basically vaccinate yourself with that concept of serenity that nothing can affect you because you're in total control of yourself. Even though others may inflict some discomfort to you, you need to find that peace within yourself because otherwise you will self-sabotage yourself. Yes, thanks for that word. I, I have to admit I hadn't thought of that word, vaccinate. <laughs> but, but it's... Uh, I think it's, uh, I use the word antidote, but vaccinate is uh, is very appropriate because, you know, there is mood contagion. Psychologists talk mm-hmm. about mood contagion. You know, if somebody is angry and yelling at you, pretty soon you begin to get angry as well. Precisely. That is mood. <laughs> That's a kind of contagion, and it is like an infectious disease. So <laughs> vaccinate is, I think, an appropriate metaphor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Well, let me ask you this. Why is changing our focus from wants to needs help us achieve well-being? You talk a little bit about that, actually quite a bit about that in your book. So can you share some light on that? Well, our wants are shaped by our upbringing, our culture, what's on the ads, uh, what's at the shopping center, what uh, the sexy people, uh, the beautiful people are wearing, the models, whatever. Uh, But they are fueled by needs at the bottom. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, you know, you might want to wear a certain kind of hat and you say, well, this is my taste, you know. Mm-hmm. The taste, that taste was shaped by, you know, the movies you saw, the ads you saw, and all that, you know, who was wearing that kind of a hat. And when you go beyond the want to the need, the need might be, you know, if you're a man living in Montreal, <laughs> in a pretty cold place, you need to cover your head, Uh then you're more likely to find something suitable. And at at the very, you know, obvious level, we all Mm -hmm. get thirsty. Mm -hmm. What we drink, whether it's a sugary soft drink, whether it's kombucha tea, (laughs) or whatever it is, is based on your, you know, uh, upbringing or uh, what what you got from your culture, media, the people you hang out with, and the more you're able to focus on what do you need, mm-hmm. you know, you can't always get what you want, as you know, right. but you can always get what you need. Right. So if you focus on what you need, you're more likely to get get what you need. Very interesting. You mentioned just now about our culture promoting discontentment in terms of what we need versus what we want. And we are so mesmerized with those appeal, I guess, in many, many ways. How does one truly go through the process when you talk about needs? We need food. We need air to breathe. We need water to survive. 
And most importantly, and people don't realize this, we do need someone else in our life, whether it's a male-female partnership or whatever, but we just need somebody in our life for a form of communication, what I'm alluding to right here. Connection. That's right, connection, precisely, yes, sir. We're not a creature of isolation, basically. So what are your thoughts about that, sir? Yes, I mean, the the worst punishment we can inflict on somebody is put them in solitary confinement. Uh, uh, that's very true. What you say is very true. Uh, two, two little, two slightly different questions hiding, uh, lurking in, in your <laughs> in your statement. Uh, yeah. One is uh, how uh, how our culture sort of breeds discontent. Mm-hmm. Well, all the advertising, all the media, you know, unless you're discontented with your shoes, you're not going to go out and look for another pair. That's correct. Unless you're discontented with your car, you're not going to go shopping for another one. Mm-hmm. So all the ads are there to provoke discontent. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's it's uh, really a terrible situation unless you're aware of this and uh, take it with a you know uh grain of salt you could be filled with discontent just by uh, by doing nothing just by watching tv <laughs> just by flipping through a magazine right yeah this is a this is a big issue uh, and mindfulness definitely is 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 a help uh Thich Nhat Hanh, my teacher uh, mm-hmm. does calligraphy as mm-hmm. part of his practice, he has a beautiful hand, and right at the entrance to my house, entrance, which is also the exit, of course, mm-hmm. there is one of his calligraphies which says, you have enough. I see that every time I go out shopping, you have mm-hmm. enough. It's, 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 I, I should also put it in my car because I, I think I need that. I need that teaching all the time. I, I you know, it used to hang in, on my dining room near uh-huh. the dining table, but I noticed that my guests were sort of a, a little shy about asking for second helping, <laughs> so I, I moved it to the entrance to the uh, to the house. <laughs> That's a good way. It's a very subtle way of telling people you have enough, so don't ask for any more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of the things you talk about, which is very interesting, because I do talk about communication in my presentation and so forth. Can you share with us your concept of mindful communication? Hmm. Well, um, one of the... Uh one of the gurus of mindful communication, nonviolent communication, is Marshall Rosenberg. And uh, he suggests that you talk about your side of the communication divide. Don't go to the other person. Don't go diagnosing the other person. You are such and such. You're so thoughtless. You are this. But just talk about your own needs, your own feelings. Everybody is entitled to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody can blame you mm-hmm. for feeling a certain way. Mm-hmm. For example, you could say, I have a need to be treated with respect. 
mm-hmm. nobody can be angry at you for for having that pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could say, "I feel a little lost right now." Uh, I wonder if you could uh, say what you said a little different, differently. There, you're taking the blame on yourself. Uh, mm-hmm. Like you feel a little lost. It's your problem. You're not saying, "Well, you said it in such a way that I had no idea what you were saying." You know, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you're not diagnosing it. And right. and this is a big issue in uh, in communication to to talk from your side to sort of uh, not go to the other side and. Uh, I think that's uh, that's very helpful. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting, and I agree with that. But at the same time, you do have people that, on the other hand, great, you're the one who's the problem then. You're not listening to me properly. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you get that point across? <laughs> well, there's a little story about the Buddha. Uh-huh. One day, someone who was angry at him came and uh gave him a piece of his mind, you know, everything, you're a bad teacher, you're selfish, you're self-seeking, you're this, you're that, you're the other. And the Buddha said, you know, I know you a little bit, I know you're a vegetarian. If someone brought you as a present uh, some meat uh, or some sausages, you know, whatever, what would you do? Would you take it and eat it? What would you do? And the man said, well, I would say, I would give it back, you know, because I can't use it. Mm-hmm. And the Buddha said, well, everything you said to me, I also give it back to you because I have no use for it. They are all yours. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know whether you can get away with it, but you can try. <laughs> Very interesting. So you know what I'm talking about because you do have people that are just in a situation where, well, gee, great. I'm glad you own it. You just don't seem to get my point. (laughs) And that was a very interesting concept. I understand where you're coming from, and I clearly agree in the sense that, yes, it's not what you say. It's how you say things and how you parlay everything into a situation where giving people enough opportunity to maybe go through a point of reflection themselves to notice that, wait a minute now, maybe I didn't come across as well as I should. And I have the concept of feeling in the sense that people set out in life to do things right. In the course of trying to do things right, they may not do the right thing. And Uh I want to give them the opportunity to sort of correct themselves. Yeah, well... I'm afraid there's no instant uh, solution to all of that. I have a beautiful song uh, on the website. Uh, It's called Be Yourself. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of the words are, let the traffic speed away, let the other have her say, let the children be themselves and play, Mm -hmm. but be yourself, be yourself your true self like the sun that warms us all be yourself I I wrote that when I was uh, staying somewhere Mm -hmm. with uh, 
uh, a loud mouth who would never stop, <laughs> and, and he and he did all the things that you mentioned a minute ago. And I went for a walk in the woods, mm-hmm. and uh, another verse of the song is is like the oak tree in the woods, like the daisy on the path, like the swallow dancing in the air. Be yourself. Uh, like the earth that holds us all, be yourself, your true mm-hmm. self. Anyway, this, there are three verses, and they, each mm-hmm. one of them focuses on the same thing. I think you do not have to give other people the permission to to uh, determine your moods. Mm-hmm. You can just smile back. What else are you going to do? I mean... <laughs> Uh-huh. See, we're having fun. We're happy talking about it right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm glad you, uh, you, you, you're steering the conversation in a very nice way. <laughs> I want to play another song that I like very much. First, find the beauty. And afterwards, please share with us the essence of this song. It is a little long. It's three minutes long, and I may just play a portion of it, if you don't mind, sir. Just fine. That's fine. Okay, great. Flowers, flowers, flowers. 
That's a beautiful song, and I wanted to play where the chorus came in because I thought it comes back to what we talk about. It's not about them, it's about us. We have to find it something within ourselves. Yes, yes. Uh, find the beauty in your own heart before you write that email. <laughs> <laughs> Because if you write it with uh, with anger in your heart, it will show, and yes. it will not get you the results you want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So true. Find the beauty in your own heart before you drive, before you commute. You know, there's a highway going, I live in a suburban area going mm-hmm. downtown here, and it's like a racetrack, you know, <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, find the beauty in your own heart. What is the most significant change that one could make in order to become happier? Well, I mention an, a few of them mm-hmm. in the book. One is self-regulation or emotional regulation. Another one is resilience. Resilience is a beautiful idea. Uh, like uh, there is wind and the grasses sway in the wind. If the wind is strong, the grasses almost flatten out and then the gust stops and the and the grass, blade of grass comes right back up. The branches of the tree sway with the wind. They don't break at, mm-hmm. at the slightest gust of wind. There is resilience in nature, and uh, we have to take those uh, gusts of wind that come our way in the same way, uh, like the grass that sways and comes back up without breaking. Uh, That's that's, uh, being aware of that, being aware of resilience Mm -hmm. is is one way of uh, practicing it. One of the things that you and I talk about, obviously we understand there are people that are really literally looking and can see the light, so to speak, and running towards the light in terms of, hey, I want to be happy, I want to be able to get on this path, and really trying to find the peace within through mindfulness and so forth. But at the same time, we do run into people that are, on the other side of the equation or the other side of the equilibrium, so to speak, they have not quite made it to the 50-yard line, for, uh, for lack of a better term. You or know, they and, haven't and, even got off the blocks. That's correct. That's correct. So it's just a little tough for them to do that. So what advice do you have for those people who are not quite there, who is really, like I say, overwhelmed? What advice do you have for them? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a beautiful set of... Uh, traditional pictures called the Ten Ox Herding Pictures. I don't know if you've come across them, have you? Mm-mm. No. Um, it sort of describes the path of awakening in ten pictures. Uh, in in this uh, metaphor, the mm-hmm. ox is the awakening or enlightenment. In the first picture, the person, the uh, person just hears a rustle in the bushes. Uh, 
that might be the equivalent of maybe coming across an article on meditation in the daily newspaper. There are occasionally there are such things occasionally, you know. And uh, the next step is he sees the uh, tail of the ox, uh, mm-hmm. sort of, but not the animal. Uh, that might be maybe you know he goes to a movie or he reads a book on mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Then uh, he gradually sees the whole animal, and uh, at the end, I it's a very I don't want to tire you with all the ten pictures. I thought it's a beautiful way of expressing how does one get out of that situation or start the process. The journey of a thousand yeah. miles begins with the first step. So I agree with that. Yeah, the last last picture is very beautiful. Uh, you see the guy sitting on the horse with a smile, playing the flute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he's he's not only tamed this wild animal that was running around in the bushes, but he's in harmony with it. He's in harmony with his his self uh, in many ways. So yeah, not everybody goes through all the ten steps. Some people just glimpse the tail or hear the rustle in the bushes. Mm-hmm. And some people go different degrees. Uh, uh, a part of the pictures, you see the uh, the animal half white, half black, uh, and then it gets gradually more and more white, signifying more and more enlightened. Yeah, I think this is uh, uh, this is uh, very much part of the uh, part of the tradition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and and thank you very much for having me on this interview. I think it's been uh, uh, not every interview I, I enjoy so much, uh, and I get <laughs> thank to you. share all my thoughts and uh, find someone who shares them on the other side. Thank you so much for having me. That's good. I mean, I really appreciate that. What would you like for the readers to gain from reading Finding the Blue Sky? Well, I think the main thing is uh, to connect with the source of the practices on the website, okay. mindfulnessmeditationcenter.org, T-R-E, uh, and click on books and uh, practice with the songs. Make it a part of your daily practice. I think that's that's the way. How has writing Finding the Blue Skies impacted you personally? Well, um, it it has changed my life, literally, by small steps. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, uh, I see the positive side. I enjoy my life more. And, uh, yeah, in every way. Very and, interesting. Uh, and, uh, and once again, I'd like to thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure this morning. You're welcome, sir. Thank you very much for being with me. Have a wonderful, blessed day. You too. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. To all our listeners, please join me in two weeks on Tuesday morning, December 13. My guest will be Dr. Marilyn Joyce. Known as the Vitality Doctor, she is one of the world's leading authority on nutrition and lifestyle for prevention and overcoming cancer and other degenerative illness. 
Dr. Marilyn and I will be discussing her latest book, Instant Energy, The Five Keys to Unlimited Energy and Vitality. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to fmmktalkradio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. Bye-bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.